Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help for correspondents around the world. I'm Meng Zhang. Coming up in this edition, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership has taken effect in the Philippines. Foreign ministers of BRICS countries have reaffirmed their commitment to strengthening cooperation, and the U.S. Senate has approved a debt ceiling and budget cuts package. We start off in Asia. The Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership is now fully in force after it took effect in the Philippines. RCEP is a trade agreement among 15 states of the Asia-Pacific region. It was signed in November 2020 and went into force on January 1, 2022, for China and the nine other countries. The Philippines coffee industry expects to benefit from the pact as they plan to export large amounts to fellow RCEP member countries. Gretchen Malalad reports from Laguna. The province of Laguna has been farming Liberica coffee since the late 1800s. The ruby red Liberica cherries have almond-shaped beans with an exceptionally fruity floral aroma and a distinct bold flavor. Rolly Villanueva, who heads the cooperative, says that every coffee farmer's dream is to have their beans exported to other countries. He says their income will increase and it would help revive the diminishing coffee industry. If we export our product, we will be paid better. It will not just benefit me, but all the farmers. They will be paid more. This can also be a way for our children to learn to farm and help them earn money. Social entrepreneur Aristelo Asilio is helping the farmers achieve their dream of exporting specialty coffee. He has been working with coffee farmers around the Philippines to improve the quality of beans and uplift the lives of farmers. He says that with the Philippines joining RCEP, their dream will soon become a reality. Now there's opportunity for them to export. We've been saying we should be exporting so that we will not be importing. And then it came. Finally, this is the time. But now the question is, how do we convert this into actionable items that they would feel that the farmers would be able to execute? Mm-hmm. So it's very important that there are groups, not only the government, who should serve as the, as the bridge from the RCEP, the government, and these farmer groups. Asilio says coffee production in the Philippines may be experiencing a downward trend, but the specialty coffee segment is on the rise. He believes that the Liberica coffee from Laguna has a huge export potential in the niche coffee market. Coffee producers say RCEP can help boost the country's high-end specialty coffee such as the fine Liberica. The production might be small, but the value is twice as much as the regular coffee beans. RCEP will allow coffee producers to export specialty coffee to high-end buyers such as Korea and Japan. There was Scratch and Malalad reporting on opportunities for the coffee industry in the Philippines and RCEP. Staying in Asia... The Dongfeng landing site in northwestern China has held a final round of drills for the return of the Shenzhou 15 crew, who have been based on the Chinese space station for the past six months. Zhang Yibing has the details. Air and ground detachments were mobilized and have taken part in a final round of drills in anticipation for the Shenzhou 15 crew's journey back to Earth. Our Shenzhou medical team is responsible for the search and rescue mission. According to this mission, we've completed five large-scale joint training sessions and dozens of individual training sessions. Also, we've made full preparations for the return of the Tigernauts and stand ready to protect their lives. Teams across all departments on site, ready and waiting to execute the tasks they have been assigned. We met a staff member who will open the capsule for the Tigernauts. He says he will be the first person they see when they come back, 
and he's ready to greet them with a heartfelt welcome home. That was Zheng Yibing reporting. Turning to Africa, foreign ministers of the BRICS group of countries have reaffirmed their commitment to strengthening cooperation during a two-day meeting in Cape Town, South Africa. They emphasized the importance of upholding mutual respect, understanding, and international law while safeguarding the role of the UN. The ministers expressed concerns about unilateral coercive measures and called for an enhancement of global governance through an efficient and accountable international system. They also discussed plans to potentially admit new members to the group. A number of countries have formally applied to join BRICS or expressed interest, including Egypt. Yasser Hakim has more from Cairo. Report of Egypt's candidacy requests go as far back as when Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi attended the 2017 BRICS summit in China as a guest of honor. The main criteria for that is to be a growing economy, promising one, and matching with the new economic order that is going on and led by BRICS countries, mainly China. So I think those are the most important criteria, and I think that Egypt is a little bit well fit in that criteria. Egypt has close economic and trading ties with the BRICS member nations. China is Egypt's largest trading partner with volume standing at $16.9 billion in 2022. Trade with India stands at $7.51 billion, Russia at $4.7 billion and Brazil at 34 In 2021, Egypt became the first non-BRICS African member of the $100 billion New Development Bank formed by the group. Entering the BRICS under the New Development Bank will allow access to finance at better terms than the West's IMF and World Bank's stringent conditions and help achieve projects for sustainable development 2030. Egypt is freeing itself from the dependence on the US and the West, who have politically motivated conditions and infringe on sovereignty in return for economic aid. Experts believe Cairo would add value as well by becoming a BRICS member. Egypt also is very promising for, for a BRICS. It is a very important gate and uh, a door open for Africa, for uh, North Africa, for um, Arab countries, Middle East. So I, I think both uh, sides will be benefit from uh, Egypt membership. The GDP of BRICS member nations has grown exponentially in recent years. Further expansion of the group can make it a considerable heavyweight that can help create a multipolar world order. Most of the countries that have applied for BRICS membership are not on bad terms with the U.S., but they have been banned by the stringent conditions imposed by the West, which are mainly political conditions that infringe on their sovereignty. That's why they want to join BRICS. Let's be clear, the bloc is not a competitor nor an enemy of the West. What remains to be seen is whether the group plans to expand in the near future. Now all eyes will be closely monitoring the outcomes and recommendations of the BRICS foreign ministers' meetings and the summit in South Africa. That was Yasser Hakim reporting. Over to North America. China has congratulated the new president of the 78th United Nations General Assembly, Ambassador Dennis Francis of Trinidad and Tobago. 
In a message, Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang reaffirmed China's commitment to the UN's central role in promoting multilateralism and its firm support to Francis. William Danslow reports from New York on the challenges facing the new UN General Assembly president. UN procedure dictates that the president of the 78th session of the General Assembly be from among Latin American and Caribbean states. The bloc endorsed Dennis Francis of Trinidad and Tobago without the need for a vote at UN headquarters. The changing of the guard was a formality, but the challenges facing the president-elect are anything but straightforward. I will seek to enhance current approaches and adopt new ones with probable solutions as we endeavor to deliver or at least to strengthen the basis for delivering peace, prosperity, progress and sustainability. Francis will have his work cut out for him. According to the UN Secretary General, just 12% of the Sustainable Development Goals are on track. And the number of people living in extreme poverty is higher now than it was four years ago. But Antonio Guterres is hopeful the General Assembly's president-elect can help strengthen global cooperation. Conflicts and climate chaos, escalating poverty, hunger and inequality, mistrust and division. Meanwhile, our roadmap to a better future, Agenda 2030, is in danger and the Sustainable Development Goals are slipping out of reach. Across all these, of these issues, the world looks to this assembly to unite member states around common solutions. The outgoing General Assembly president endorsed Francis and says his background makes him well suited to help tackle issues such as climate change. With his extensive experience and his unique per uh, perspective coming from a small island developing state, I'm confident that the General Assembly will be in capable hands during the next session. There's nearly 100 days until Francis takes on his new role. Until then, the current president says there's still much work to be done. That was William Denslow reporting. Staying in North America, the U.S. Justice Department has obtained an audio recording of former President Donald Trump, in which he acknowledges he held on to a classified Pentagon document. The document was about a potential attack on Iran, Nathan King has more from Washington. Now, this was first reported by CNN, the Department of Justice and the Special Counsel Investigation not responding uh, to inquiries. But essentially, the allegation is that there is an audio tape in the investigation into former President Donald Trump about him taking documents from the White House here after his term, which details the fact that he admits that he has documents apparently detailing some sort of plans for an attack on Iran that didn't happen, obviously, uh, and that were penned by the Pentagon and the former uh, Joint Chiefs of Ch uh, Staff, Mark Milley, who's apparently been questioned by the special counsel looking into Donald Trump's removal, potentially of classified documents. Now, as you know, this follows hot on the heel of that controversial raid, it was called by the Trump administration, search by the FBI on his Mar-a-Lago resort where he now uh, lives in Florida and they got boxes of documents. But of course, this investigation continues and there have been many others and many others to continue. Uh, remember that he was uh, found at fault in the civil sexual assault case in New York recently. He has the New York investigation criminally into his business practices. He has the uh, allegations of election fraud uh, in Georgia. He has the January 6th case. So all this is coming to a boil. 
But of course, all this happens while Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee for the presidential uh, uh, race for the Republican Party. So any problems for him legally will either help his opponents in an increasingly crowded field, field for that nomination, uh, but also others who are entering the race as well. Mike Pence, for example, is coming in. So all these legal twists and turns being very much watched by the political elite here to see whether Donald Trump will get the nomination uh, and, and re retain his supporters in spite of his legal woes, which includes this classified documents case. That was Nathan King reporting. More on the U.S. The Senate has approved a debt ceiling and budget cuts package. President Joe Biden is expected to sign it into law to avoid a default, but neither Republicans nor Democrats are fully satisfied with the deal negotiated between the President and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Benji High reports from Washington. It was pretty close to the line, but having been given the green light by the two chambers of Congress and after a series of attempted yet unsuccessful amendments, this bill has cleared the legislature and can now go on to the executive, the White House. President Joe Biden will back this deal, preventing that debt default that would have sent global financial markets into disarray. Uh, some Republicans, it's worth saying, on the right still believe that this deal does not cap spending enough. Some Democrats on the left believe that uh, it went too far in that respect and that it lowers the opportunity for those on low incomes to receive aid, for example. And we saw some big names vote against the deal. But ultimately, after weeks of you know, it finding weeks of both sides finding consensus very hard to come by. And with there still being an incredible amount of division on Capitol Hill here, close to midnight, ultimately, lawmakers decided to back the bill. There was Benji High reporting. Finally, we go to Europe. More than 40 European leaders have met in Moldova to discuss cooperation and security across the continent. The venue is just 20 metres from the Ukrainian border, and the Russia-Ukraine conflict is a big part of the discussions. Moldova is pressing for EU membership after it was granted candidate status last year. Alex Cadier reports. As Moldovan President Maya Sandu greets Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky, leaders from 43 other European nations travelled to the country for the second meeting of the European political community. They gathered at Mimi Castle, a vineyard just outside the Moldovan capital, and only 30 minutes away from the border with Ukraine. European leaders are clear, this meeting is about expressing solidarity with Ukraine and pushing back against Russian influence in neighbouring countries. Just a few hundred miles away, Kyiv's forces are still trying to push Russian troops back out of Ukrainian territory ahead of the upcoming spring counteroffensive. After the meeting, Zelensky pressed his European counterparts, saying the only way to ensure a lasting peace is for the EU and NATO to offer security guarantees for his country. But the meeting also dealt with divisions within Europe. Escalating tensions between Serbia and Kosovo in the last few days have been a cause for concern. Despite these tensions, the message from European leaders is clear. They want to show that Europe is strong, united and pushing back against Russian influence in the region. This meeting was as much about Europe as it was the future of Moldova itself. 60% of the people here and their president, Maya Sandu, want to see their country join the European Union. That was Alex Kadia reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. The Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership has taken effect in the Philippines. Foreign ministers of BRICS countries have reaffirmed their commitment to strengthening cooperation. 
and the U.S. Senate has approved a debt ceiling and budget cuts package. That concludes today's top story, which brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Wang Zihang. Thank you for listening.